Because we like to keep our lights on, now a word from our sponsor. Founded in 2011 and headquartered in New York City, SongTrust maintains the most extensive accessible publishing network in the industry with a global network of direct society collections with 45 plus performance, mechanical, and digital societies globally covering 120 plus territories. SongTrust is owned and operated by Downtown Music Holdings. And now friends, I have a deal for you. Visit songtrust.com forward slash pubcast and take advantage of their 20% discount off the one-time registration just for listening to the AIMP Nashville Pubcast. And now let's get on with our episode. Well, Pubcasters, I'm afraid to say we've reached the end of our season, but we've saved the favorite for last. Everybody wants to know the future, so we pull out our crystal ball and have a look. We start our episode off with an Anar perspective with Rohan Kohli. Okay, jumping into our, our crystal ball. If you were going to look into your crystal ball for the next, say, five years, I'll keep it kind of simple. I won't, I won't go too big. Like, what, what do you see happening in the next five years? And it could be specific to Nashville, musically, a trend, or just for you personally. I, it, that's, a, that's a very hard question, but I think, I think within country, we're going to start to see more... This sounds it sounds a little strange to say, but character development. I feel like there haven't been the the superstar type personalities in the past few years that you know when when I was looking at it and studying it. You know, uh, like even like Blake Shelton and Kenny Chesney, they are superstar artists. They have their own paths, visions. Kenny Chesney has a culture that he's created, and it feels like there hasn't been quite as much of that in the recent past but i think that's going to come back around where people are craving personalities to to latch on to so hopefully that means a little more edgier music music that's pushing it just a little bit tweaking people in different ways less copycat generic music hopefully i would agree with that i like that statement i even say that on the business end it's been a when I came up in the uh, late 80s and early 90s, there was a lot of characters on both sides of the fence, man. Even within the A&R departments, man, there was there's a lot of stories. Yeah, I, gr- I grew up listening to Kid Rock, Limp Bizkit, a lot of that kind of music. And when I go back and listen to it now, I go, I see why this worked. They, they were larger-than-life personalities and created a world in which you escape to. And I feel like that's that's gone away a little bit, but I think it's going to come back. I think people are craving that. We sell the dream, man. That's yeah. what we do in Music City. And guess who's back? The ever-insightful David Israelite with the NMPA. Now, given everything we've discussed, if we're looking ahead, I always like to say, I'm looking into my crystal ball. Are you hopeful? I'm extremely hopeful. I think that the publishing industry has a very bright future. Um, you look at just the industry numbers, and we are going to have another year of growth in 2018. It will have been five years of growth in a row. Um, You look out ahead at the potential of continued growth of paid streaming, of new business models that incorporate music, of social media that is stepping up to the plate more in terms of its responsibility to pay for music. And I think that the future is nothing but bright. And it's not just my opinion. If you just look at the amount of outside investment money that wants to come into the publishing space, um, I think it shows you just how much people that only are thinking about money and not the art think that publishing is a good bet. I think I, I agree. I, 
as again, a, 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 I've been a student of music since I was, uh, I started buying records when I was seven years old and I've had this passion pretty much my entire life. And I'm kind of excited to actually be a part of watching all this transformation and copyright law and these changes happen. Cause I think in the last seven years, we have seen more changes for a positive. We've had our challenges, we've had our fights, but it's really exciting to be a part of the process as well. So I, I personally, and again, am excited about that and thankful to people like yourself and Bart. And as you said, there's there's so many people to thank that are, are struggling in, in this fight for us and, and supporting us financially. Because as you mentioned, this is not coming cheap. This tab is very high. So anything we can do to support, and I say that to everybody listening, your, your trade associations, those out there fighting the fight, please do that. It's so important that we stay in the game and, and, and up on top of all that. Reaching back to Marcink episode, Wendy Duffy shares what she sees in her crystal ball. Now, uh, another question I love to ask, I like to pull out my crystal ball, look into it and see what the future is looking like. Do you see any new trends, any whether it's musical or, or business side that you see coming up in the next year or two? I definitely feel like as far as music licensing is concerned, um, I see a lot of, of the same right now in the near future. Definitely cinematic hip hop. Um, it's not going anywhere. Um, I don't think swagger is going anywhere anytime soon. Um, at the moment, I don't feel like that. It's evolving and changing. But I also really feel like a trend I thought would die, and it's not, it's actually becoming bigger, is covers and back catalog being reinvented. I think some of that's coming from, um, you know, ambition from a publisher's side of things, which I think is a good thing. Um, I think it's also really exciting for independent artists to to reimagine songs that they're very excited about, songs that they wish they would have written themselves and releasing that. And that's also exciting because Master is really king as far as streaming right now. Um, could we see an evolution on that? Quite possibly, yes. But right now, whoever owns the Master for streaming is the key, you know. Yeah. That's that's the key to the kingdom, as they say. You know? Even on my side, if we can put music out on our artists and own the masters uh, and you start getting enough streams, it's, it's real income. It's real income. It's super helpful as, a again, ancillary income for us mm-hmm. as, we're, as we're growing our brands and trying to just stay afloat in the current music business. <laughs> Up next, we have Wayne Milligan, and he shares his unique perspective on the future of royalties. I like to pull out like my little crystal ball and look into it and see what the future holds. I mean, we're in 2020, clear vision, all that this year. So do you see any other trends coming or any changes coming? Because I know that you're, especially on the business management side, seeing like, how do you get paid from a TikTok or, or anything? Do you see anything interesting on the horizon? I'm really interested to see how the the uh, the music modernization act that uh you know basically you know a lot of the, the parts of the music modernization act went into effect uh as of this year and so now that the the music licensing collective uh is being formed and 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 that's how the music modernization act was established in order to uh i guess streamline the payment and the distribution of streaming royalties so how that gets uh set up and implemented uh, when we're dealing with millions of copyrights and you know 
multi-millions, billions of dollars of royalties that are you know, being distributed. That's something that I'm, I'm really interested in seeing uh, the development of that over the next you know few years, uh, just because that's going to change radically how we receive and or you receive royalties, uh, not only. Uh, you know, for our clients, you know, through publishers, how they they receive it because typically we're going to, to a number of different places to get our Spotify royalties, to get our Apple Music royalties, and so this is going to be a collective that receives everything centralized and then distributes out to the various publishers and songwriters. Yeah, I am with you on that. That that is a, a really big one, and I'm excited to see because, as you mentioned, we're a little slow on the copyright side and getting things together. And this is one of the biggest changes we've right. had in it's hundreds of years. Right. So one of the best things that we've had. And as we wrap up season three of the AIMP National Pubcast, I would like to thank you all for continuing to listen and support us. Please again subscribe and share if you love what you hear. And in this final clip, we have our friend Derek Wells who shares his producer perspective on artist development in the future. I look forward to seeing you all for season four. So Derek, I, I have a few questions I like to kind of run by people just out of curiosity. And, and you've probably done this one before, but I always like to look in the crystal ball and kind of see what the next year or two might do. And there's nobody better that probably has a better pulse on things because you're in what people are cutting that's not released and you and, and all that. So do you see any mu- a musical trends or, or things coming around that, that people might not know about yet and that you could probably share? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, while this, this isn't necessarily true for publishing, um, the, the labels are making money again, you know, off of albums. And how I'm seeing that translate better um, catering yeah exactly yeah yeah <laughs> they've, they've upped it we've got DeSanos now instead of Papa John's uh no but I I, I feel like um they're being able to invest in the the new artists a little bit more than they were before and even on a base level just like simple like budgets for new artist recording and the amount of songs we have to get in the amount of time and like um I am um encouraged by what I've seen in the last year, you know, I'll never forget uh, a few years back, we did a, a record with an artist and we did one day at Blackbird and we left and uh, the bass player goes, well, I had fun making that guy's record today with you. Like, and I, it dawned on me, it's like we had cut like nine songs in one day for a major label artist, you know, which is just not the norm for anyone that doesn't realize that, I mean, it's just not the, the norm and, and in my personal belief it's not the way to make a great product and you know now you know I was just producing some stuff on a new artist literally Wednesday um, for Universal and the pacing was was good because we you know we had the budget and then what you see in two is they they have a little bit of a longer shelf life at the labels you know there was a really dicey point there for a while where if someone got thrown two or three singles out it wasn't happening and now I feel like there's a little bit more they can circle back, figure out a new plan. And the, the fact that they're making money is what's kind of enabling them to do that. Um, so I would say two things, uh, Crystal Ball, I would say, I think we're going to see, to be blunt, the quality of record making come up a little bit. I think in both the Sonic realm, we're seeing really cool things like Amazon offering HD, yeah. you know, um, you know, audio, that's awesome. Um, I think the quality of of record making is going to come up, and I do feel 
this may be a little bit better question answer your question. I feel a shift towards the organic world of things. I think um, pop culture and pop music will always be a part of country, um, but I do feel like you know I'm fine. Like I'm, for the first time, I'm hearing people go, "What if we didn't do a loop?" Or like, "Man, I don't know. What if it's not claps?" Or you know, some of the kind of uh, stuff that we relate to pop music specifically or or digital music. And um, again, I'm kind of encouraged by that. I'd love to to get to a point where, you know, we're making really forward records without relying on some of the gimmicks. I am looking for, I'm an audio nut, and I like to still, when you find that record that you put on, and it's just so dynamic and sonically pleasing, and I would be with you on that, because I'm working with another young artist, Joey Hendricks, over on... Uh, on Sony and we were listening to some of his masters and same it's definitely more organic and just it just breathes and it he's actually me... one of the people I was thinking about when we made his record you know it was like we that was a comfortable number of songs and he's able to you know he's got Kneebank mixing them and it's mm-hmm. like I mean you know really high level stuff all around that's great budgets are good budgets are budgets good are good we hope you've enjoyed this episode of the AIMP Nashville Pubcast subscribe now on your favorite podcast platform And follow us at AIMP Nashville to keep up with news, events, panels, and even new episodes. The AIMP Nashville podcast is created by executive producers Dale Bobo and Tim Hunsey, producer Brandon Harrington, mixing and editing by Casey Porter. Thanks for listening and supporting the AIMP Nashville podcast. 